Hello, friends, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. And I created the U-Turn book and the podcast as a place to help you connect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I want to bring a guest on with the intention of helping you expand what's possible for you, both in your confidence, whether it's in work or love, and just in life in general. So let's get into this week's episode. Hi, U-Turn friends. It's Ashley Stahl here, your host. And today I'm really excited about a really special guest, Timothy Sykes, who's here today. He's a penny stock trader and a teacher who became a self-made millionaire by the age of 22 by trading $12,415 of bar mitzvah money. He's also an active philanthropist and environmental activist with more than a million Instagram followers and co-founder of Karmagawa, which is a social charity community. And he's donated millions of dollars to charity. And he shares his story with amazing people like Larry King and Steve Harvey and uh, Tom Bilyeu. And I'm just really excited to talk to him today about rules for success in investing and how to be giving back. And what is the relevance of this? How do you start doing it? I know we live in a time right now, especially with the great resignation where people are leaving their jobs and there's a lot of inflation and it can feel like you want to hold on to everything you have. And so I want to use this conversation to help you figure out how do you open up that channel of of giving as well. Let's talk about the holiday season, my friends. It is filled with end of year celebrations, gatherings with loved ones, traveling, cozy nights in, wild nights out, and yummy treats. This year, I've been really focused on not letting my sweet tooth get the best of me. We all know what happens to me. And I found the perfect remedy, Soul CBD's tinctures. Not only are these tinctures tasty and sweet, but they also calm my nerves. Navigating the holidays with stressful travel and end of the year work rushes, having some extra support to calm my nervous system and reduce inflammation has been so key. Just a few of Soul CBD's drops will do the trick. This powerful tincture is convenient and portable. I always throw one in my purse or my bag, so relief is just a drop away anywhere. You can spice up your morning coffee with the pumpkin spice tincture, or you can place a few drops of peppermint under your tongue for a perk of sweetness, and also add some lemon lime tinctures to your sparkling water at a holiday party. It's so easy, it's powerfully calming, and it's absolutely delicious. Soul CBD has an epic discount to share with the U-Turn community of 15% off your order. Just head on over to ashleystahl.com slash soul. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash S-O-U-L to access our special page with them. And don't forget to use the code U-Turn at checkout. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Tim, thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really honored to be able to first just start with your story. Can you tell us a little bit about how you started with 12 grand and into the success that you did? Yeah, um, you know, my parents gave me control of my bar mitzvah money. Um, They thought I would lose it all in the stock market, but I got obsessed with studying. Um, And now over time, you know, I've turned into millions, just taking small gains along the way. Um, Nothing huge, um, but my average gain is around $2,000. And if you do enough of that, it adds up. And rule number one for me is cutting losses quickly. So I'm in and out of stocks. If I'm wrong, I take small losses, ideally lower than $2,000, which is my average gain. Mm. 
Beautiful. Okay. And I know a lot of listeners here, um, they're in the workforce and they feel a little bit maybe intimidated by how to get started with investing. What would you say is like the lowest stress, highest benefit place for them to get started? Um, I mean, if you just want basic returns, the S&P 500 has been going up on average 8 to 10% per year. Um, I, I have some money in there. I think it's a good thing to, you know, just learn about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, the S&P 500 will, you know, keep you engaged. Uh, if you want to try individual stocks, I say, hey, go with companies that you know, you know, whether it's Whole Foods or Peloton or Lululemon um, or Under Armour, you know, AT&T, Apple. Uh, there's a bunch of different plays. And the whole key is just starting small, um, just a few dollars. You're probably not going to make much in the beginning, no matter what you do. So you just don't want to lose a lot because that usually leads to people quitting. Um, but, you know, as I always say, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So whenever you buy your first stock or mutual fund or anything, keep watching it. Don't just let other people manage your money. Um, you know, you really need to learn about financial management yourself. Discipline matters. Rules matter. And every single person watching this is slightly different. Some people might hold the stock for an hour. Some people might hold it for a day, a week, a month, a year, a decade. Um, you have to choose what works for you. I have the, the patience of an ant, so I can't hold stocks more than like a few days max, but that's not everybody. So you, you really have to find your groove. And that happens through a lot of practice and a lot of studying. Um, you know, I, I always say study hard. Too many people think that it's all about just you know, getting hot tips, but it's not. It's, it's learning so much about the intricacies of how finance works and then finding where there might be uh, an opening where you can have some advantage. Okay. So a couple of questions. Number one, books. Like, let's say someone's just getting started cracking themselves open with this. They've been intimidated by investing. And then I want to ask you a lot about giving back as well, which is really fun uh, to talk about, but they're getting started. What's some of your favorite books that you just think like, this is a great starting point for anyone. Don't miss this book. Yeah, um, there's a book by William O'Neill called How to Make Money in Stocks. Um, And he just kind of simplifies like, what should you look for in a company, whether it's earnings? Is it in a hot sector? Is it a hot market? Um, You know, I I don't think it's an exact science, but it's a good primer. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people need to have historical understanding. So there's a book that's a few hundred years old now that's called Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds, um, all about these bubbles that have popped up uh, in the past from the South Sea bubble to Tula mania. Now you might even say that crypto is a bubble. You know, mm-hmm. these bubbles happen again and again. So learn from the past. That way you're better prepared in the future. I love that. And is there like a newsletter on investments or anything that you get in your kind of weekly or email, you know, digest around investing that you think people um, subscribe to? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I put everything I do up on YouTube. I've got 1500 right. free videos on my YouTube channel. Just Perfect. Google Timothy Sykes. Um, for me, again, it's, it's not a guessing game like, oh, what is China going to do? What is energy going to do? It's learning from past bubbles, past patterns, and seeing that they repeat. History does repeat in the markets. It's not exact, um, but they're very similar patterns that pop up again and again. So I'm basically just a glorified history teacher. Ah, beautiful. And I love that people can go get lost in the YouTube channel, which is like such a good reminder for everybody. And that's what they should do. Some yeah. people say like, oh, what are your five best videos? I'm like, watch everything. Like, yeah. you know, every single trade that I do, every single investment that I make, um, 
is is created and you know pertains to every video that I've ever made and lessons that I've learned over time. All the lessons, like if you make a trade, let's say I have you know a thousand key rules and lessons that I want to build a foundation off of versus somebody where they haven't studied that much, they don't really know what's going on, they're just listening to a hot tip. Guess who's going to do better? Uh, yeah. All my top students are self-sufficient. All I am is training wheels. And, and I encourage people to recognize that, you know, you're not going to make a lot in the beginning, especially in 2022. It's been a tough year. But if you keep learning, getting more comfortable with everything, like really becoming a master, year three, year four, year five, good things really tend to happen. In recent years, I've been really working so hard on loving my body and having a really positive body image. And earlier this year, I even competed in a pageant where, yes, I walked down a runway in a swimsuit. And if you know me, you know this is pretty out of character for me. And then again, I love making my U-turns, trying things on and experimenting with life. This far, my journey with loving my body has been exciting, playful, and just a reminder that it's really never too late to be anyone you wanna be. And one healthy approach I've really grown to love is doing a quarterly seven-day reset. This seven-day reset helps you put the meal prep and planning to rest so that you can focus on rest, reflection, resetting your system, and just giving your body some love. Every single day's meals are mapped out clearly, and they're packed with clean, nourishing, and yummy shakes, snacks, and elixirs. This is not only a nutritional detox, it's a luxurious way to care for your well-being. Remember who you are, have a clear mind, and tune into what you want to become next. Visit ashleystahl.com reset to start your reset right. And don't worry, you're going to get to select your favorite reset flavor for your shakes. There's chocolate, vanilla, or if you're like me, vegan options too. Again, that's Ashley Stahl com slash reset. It's time to get back to being more of you. And I was so excited to lose five pounds and feel incredibly strong in my body, give my body the nutrients it needs that I've been doing this every few months just to give myself some love. Now let's get back to this week's episode. That's so exciting for anyone. I think it's like a brand new project for them to put their mind on it. Everybody listening, I'll put his um, YouTube link in the show notes so that that's another place you can go as well as the book. Uh, okay, so I also want to ask you just about your well-being because I know that investing and just life in general, you, you know, we live in an era where there's more chronic illness and it, all sorts of dietary things going on, the air quality, you name it. How do you keep yourself sharp, especially like right now you're in Bali, it's midnight for you. How do you take care of yourself and how do you keep yourself um, energized? You got to love what you do. You know, I, I, I normally would be in bed. We're, we're opening a new school up tomorrow with 800 kids. I got to get up in five hours, but I wanted to talk to you. I want to open the school. So I push myself. Um, mm -hmm. Has that come with a few side effects health-wise? Yes. Mm -hmm. But you know, I think that if you have true passion, maybe even obsession for what you do, some sacrifices must be made. Um, I can always do a better job, uh, you know, with my health. I think I can always improve on that. But sometimes like I'm just focused on the mission, whether it's uh, trading or teaching or, you know, talking to people uh, or opening schools. Uh, I, I still have to find my own balance. I'm not good at that, especially, you know, working New York hours with a 12 hour time difference. Yeah, that's fun. So are you based in New York most of the time or where where are you? I'm literally all over the place. Uh, <laughs> Pre-pandemic, you know, in, in 2020, you know, I did 32 countries already in 2022. 
Um, you know, I think I'm up to, I, I looked at this the other day, I think it was like 20. Um, but this is what I do. You know, I, I, I love to travel, um, but I do work on New York hours. So I, all my clocks are set to New York. Wow. It's so interesting. I love yeah. how much you've created your own life. And that's what this show is about. I think the concept of making a U-turn is keep you keep coming home to yourself. And I think one of the biggest challenges for people is that I find that they they hear so much noise in their lives that they get so cut off from who they are, what they really want. So people are listening to you, you're traveling the world, you're investing and you're you're making an impact. And I mean, what more could anyone want to be doing? So I'm curious what your feedback would be for anyone who's listening and they feel scarcity around money. They feel like, I don't even have that much to invest, let alone give back. Um, and maybe they're a bit rigid when they're tipping at a restaurant, or maybe they're um, just scared to give that extra because they're living on the edge. So I'm curious, like, what what's your thinking around being charitable? I know for me, there's certain causes that I give to every single year that are just really close to me, but everybody's different on what motivates them or or what their mindset is. So what would you have to share with somebody who's feeling really scared to start giving? Yeah, I mean, people are scared of the, the markets, they're scared of charity, they're scared of travel. Um, sometimes you just have to, you know, push your fears aside. And I think that it's always good to start small. You know, if you're scared to invest, you know, try to put aside $100. You don't need to put aside $10,000 all at once. If you want to get involved in charity, you don't have to donate a million dollars. You can volunteer at your local food bank or, you know, helping animals. Uh, bless you. You know, like, it, there's so many little things that you can do and you find what makes you happiest and then you scale up. Um, same thing with trading. You know, like I encourage all my students to really start small. Big things have small beginnings. Um, and that way, you know, they can get used to it and then they can size up, you know, with their position sizes if they want. It's all about testing. You know, I, I think everybody who's either a trader or investor is, is testing their theories and in the beginning, when everything is overwhelming, you don't really know. Same thing with charity. Like I've, you know, donated now to over 90 charities, mm -hmm. um, but I didn't know, you know, which are the best ones in the beginning. Uh, I'm trying my best. Like I, I see a charity, I see uh, a cause. I think it's good. But out of the 90 charities, I would say I'll probably uh, donate to maybe like 20 of them in the future. Like, it, you know, a lot of them for whatever reason, whether they're not uh, very, you know, as efficient as they should be with the donations. Some charities do great work, but they're hard to get along with. Yeah. You know, the, the charity founders are so all about the mission. They don't really think about anything else. Um, you just try everything. And, and you really have to understand that you're not going to get everything right in the beginning. So embrace the mistakes, embrace the frustrations, learn what not to do. So then again, in the future, you can do better. You know, like now I know which charities not to donate to. Now I know which kinds of trades work best for me and, you know, no long-term really trades for me because I don't have the patience. Got it. Okay. I love how much you own your impatience. I'm pretty impatient myself. It's a miracle. We're both here on this podcast, getting this done together. With our Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, are there some charities like you, you've done your research? I'm guessing this is on your YouTube channel too. So we'll have to go there as well. What are a couple or a few of your favorite charities to donate to and why? Yeah. So Pencils of Promise, um, I've donated over $2 million to. Um, they build schools all over the world. We've built 24 schools with them so far. Um, they do incredible work. And, and kids really need education. In a lot of third world communities, they don't have any education. 
Um, those of us in the first world, I think, take schooling for granted. It's like, yeah, you know, go to school, maybe not. You could probably learn on the internet. But these kids don't have the internet. These kids in these rural communities, if they don't get educated, they're going to go into manual labor. They're going to, you know, be begging on the street. Like it's a cycle of poverty. It's ugly. So Pencils of Promise is one of uh, my favorite charities here in Bali. We've donated uh, nearly a million dollars to Bali Children's Project. Um, this is another charity and they just build schools and libraries here in Bali. Uh, lately, I've been getting into food banks. A lot of communities are running low on food. So I donated to San Diego Food Bank, uh, LA Food Bank, um, you know, so many issues around the world right now. And you really just have to try to help others uh, as much as possible. It's it's interesting, like on my end, I've grown up with kind of inter- a, a dichotomy, especially as it relates to money. I had a dad who was incredibly successful when I was a kid. We had a lot of privilege. He lost all of his wealth, almost claimed bankruptcy. In my 20s, I repeated the same thing. My money mindset wasn't in a place where I felt like I deserved it. And so I was so scared of losing all my money that I actually self-sabotaged and lost all my money. So I could do a whole episode on self-fulfilling prophecies and how when you're afraid, you act different and then you create the thing you're afraid of. And um, it's been a journey for me to be financially responsible in my 30s. I just started investing in real estate and Airbnbs, and I've actually started tiptoeing towards the stock market myself. Um, And giving back has been something that I'm a little bit kind of fair weather about where um, I see something that comes my way and I resonate with it and I'll give right away. Um, and so I haven't been as intentional, um, when, when people right now are listening, is there kind of a process or any feedback you have on how they find charities that they can really trust? Because that's gotta be a really scary feeling for someone to feel like I'm really working hard. I want this to make an impact and it feels so indirect, you know, it's like these huge institutions and your money just feels like it's floating in the wind. Um, how do, how do you kind of get the information you need to find a trustworthy charity? Yeah. I, first of all, I only donate to small charities. If you donate to like Red Cross or UNICEF, it's, it's literally drops in an ocean. It's a, you know, it's, it's good intentions, but it, it's really not going to do any, anything. <laughs> yeah. um, and for me, I, I like these small charities. I can see where every dollar goes. You know, this is one of the conditions when I make a donation, I want to see exactly what it's being spent on with schools, with food banks. Uh, We now support uh, several animal rescue charities too. So I'm always asking for updates. Uh, You can also use the website Charity Navigator that ranks all the different charities based on how effective they are uh, in terms of, you know, where's the the marketing uh, dollars. Like a lot of these charities are just machines and less than like 10 or 20% of the money you donate, whether they're a big charity or small, only a small portion goes to the actual cause. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm extra picky. And if you are looking at a charity, contact them, you know, ask them endless questions. And if they ever have any, uh, you know, if they're stubborn, if they start saying like, no, we can't answer that. There's plenty of other charities that will, um, you know, there's a few bad eggs in charity. There's a few bad eggs in every industry. You're not going to be perfect. You know, you, yeah. you could do all your due diligence. You, you still might end up uh, with one of them, but I don't think it hurts at all to really put in the time researching mm-hmm. before you put in any money. Make them earn your donation. Okay. And I know that a lot of people, you know, it's it sounds very trite, like giving back makes you feel good. And it really does. But I think 100%. some people who haven't gotten started, 
Um, maybe they're feeling like, you know, how is there like a rule of thumb you have as an investor of like this percent of somebody's income, in my opinion, should go back into these causes? I know there's no shoulds in the world, but I'm curious what your thinking is for yourself. Yeah. I mean, I actually donate 100% of my trading profits to charity. Um, that way I can focus on teaching. My students know where my priorities are. You know, I want to make money trading, but at the same time, I'm sharing my screen so people can learn the process. Um, and then if I make money, like, you know, that's what going, that's what's going to build schools and, and helping animals and helping communities. You really have to choose for yourself. Every person is different. Um, again, I would say start small. You yeah. don't want to overwhelm yourself and say, oh, I have to give back. The world is falling apart. I'm giving all my income and then you have nothing left to live off of. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I would say less than 5% of your income at first. Mm -hmm. If you want to up that to 10 or 20%, that's up to you. But I wouldn't go too big um, mm -hmm. as the, the economy of the world has showed. Like, even if you have a strong economy, it can flip very quickly. So you don't want to donate all of your money and then, you know, be like, oh, wow, I just got fired from my job or I have no savings left. You got to think about yourself too. It's good to give back. But if you go broke, if you burn out, if, if, you know, anything negative happens to you because you donated too much, that's going to hurt your charitable giving in the future. Um, it'll probably turn you off. A lot yeah. of people get discouraged very easily in the markets and charity, and you just can't, you, you have to understand that you're going to make mistakes. There's no one right answer for everybody. Again, start small in everything. Test, mm -hmm. test, test. Mm-hmm. It's interesting too. I just want to encourage all of you listening. One little experiment I've done with myself way back when, when I started to give to charity was just getting comfortable with giving. And it sounds so, I, I, I'm not judging myself at the moment, but I know that it can sound so weird to say like, I need to get comfortable with giving, but as it relates to money. And I remember it started like five, six years ago uh, after I fixed my business that I slightly ruined. I was in an Uber and it was like two in the morning. I was going to an airport and sh I was like, wow, it's really late. And she said that she had been up for 20 hours doing Uber to make the rent. And I remember I left 50 bucks on her front seat when she uh, got my luggage out. And I just felt her seeing that money as I walked into the airport. And like the, the feeling I got for that 50 bucks, like, I got more than she did for sure. And so I think it's like, maybe you just want to start having these little moments where you see little opportunities to give that resonate for you. I had a big sister who, before she passed away, she was homeless. So I have a soft spot for homeless people, but there's so many different reasons that we can give. Um, and, and you touched on something, Tim, you talked about losses, like so, you know, it's easy for somebody to be listening to you. They hear your success and they're going to say, oh, well, Tim can manage his losses like he has so much. And then there's the people who, you know, so what's your feedback around like mindset with losses, especially when you're in the market? You were saying 2022 wasn't a, a pretty year completely on that front. Um, what's your word of wisdom for anyone who starts investing and maybe they take a hit and they're like, OK, why did I even do this? Yeah. I mean, early in my career, I lost a million dollars. That was heartbreaking for me. I had made it before, so I was happy. Um, I made, you know, nearly three million at that point, but losing a third of your money uh, with one bad trade, that was a real gut punch. Yeah. And the press, I had a big mouth, so the press put it everywhere. That made it even worse. Um, but looking back, that was the best loss ever because I was betting too big. I had no risk management. Um, I had no rules in place. Um, and it kind of like kickstarted me. So if you have losses, big or small, again, don't try to block them out. Don't pretend they didn't exist. 
recognize them, find out what you did wrong, and then adapt. Don't do what you did before, because if you keep doing that, you'll probably lose again and again. Um, it's all about adaptation. You know, this is like the, the true trader mentality. Um, you know, I had a record year in 2020 and 2021, and then 2022, I mean, I'm making less than one-tenth of what I made, but I'm still green on the year. You know, the markets are, have gotten crushed, um, and, you know, that happens. Not all years are the same. Your income is not always just going to go up consistently. Sometimes it's, you know, like three steps forward, one step back, and you have to accept that. You have to embrace everything as a journey, as a marathon. It's not just about the end result. It's how you got there. And through your ups and downs, when you do eventually succeed, you'll appreciate the downs much more. You'll be like, I remember when I messed up here, or I had this loss. And that makes the win, the success much more gratifying in the end. Yeah. And, you know, I want to remind all of you listening that life is an experiment and we have way too much pressure on ourselves to get things right the first time. I think a lot about all of us when we're in college, we have to choose a major if, if you went to college. And it's like, how are we supposed to know what we want to do when we grow up when we haven't had any experiences? And so I just want to remind everyone listening that losses are kind of the cost of admission for the gains. Like it's tuition. It's, it's tuition. Exactly. Like uh, my business, it feels like an investment portfolio. It's like, I'm going to try and create this and then it totally flops. And then I create something else and it really works. Um, so one thing that I know you talk about is, and I found it was re really interesting. The wording was becoming a prisoner of your wealth. So I want to ask you about that because for me, I had this moment before I lost and sabotaged myself. My business made $5 million in two months after I was failing and in debt and didn't know how to make a funnel work. And then all of a sudden it worked and I was completely overwhelmed, completely stressed out, didn't have the infrastructure to hold the surge of customers um, and working really fast to hire employees and stuff like that. And it was the most stressed out I've ever been. Like becoming wealthy at that moment was one of the most miserable times. And the passive income I earned was the most active income I've ever earned. You know, it was just like not... Um, and so now I'm much more slow and steady wins the race as a person um, in my mid thirties. So yeah. Can you talk to me? Like, what do you mean? Cause anyone listening, they're like prisoner of your wealth, great problem to have count me in. So I probably gave the lowest rated Ted talk ever. Um, it was all about how I'll never be a billionaire. Cause I'm always going to donate too much to charity. So I won't have it in my account. And one of the graphics I used, um, I found this, you know, this, this cartoon character of like a rich guy with like gold chains and watches and everything. And then around his ankle was like, you know, a, a prison ball because he's trapped by his materialism. He's trapped by his insecurities. I know a lot of rich people where they're really deep down scared that if they didn't have their money, if they didn't have the flashy car, if they weren't buying bottles at clubs, if they weren't wearing fancy clothes, people would not respect them. And that is true insecurity. And that's what drives them to get all these, you know, frankly, useless material possessions. Um, if you do go down that route, there's a lot of unhappiness in, in just trying to make money to make other people like you. And I know a lot of people who are like this, you know, they, they want the nice things, they want to be accepted. For me, you know, I, I always like the education side of the stock market and teaching um, because that, it's a challenge. The money is a nice byproduct. So I wouldn't do anything for money. Again, for me, I'm fortunate enough just to do what I love. And it's, it's a nice business. But even if it wasn't a nice business, I would still do it. 
Um, you know, I understand some people hate their jobs. Many people hate their jobs and they don't have a choice. They're just trying to make rent. They're trying to put food on the table. They have responsibilities. So they say, Tim, that sounds nice, but you don't live in the real world, but you can always study more. You can put in an hour a night or God forbid, 30 minutes a night, you watching YouTube videos, watching podcasts like yours, um, and, and figuring stuff out. So that instead of going to the movies, instead of watching Netflix, instead of playing video games, instead of going to the club, you're gradually getting smarter every single day. So even if you have a dead end job or a job that you hate, or maybe you have a job that you love, but you're not succeeding uh, as much as you want immediately, you can always learn and you can get better. Mm -hmm. But most people don't plant the seeds for growth. They're not studying. They're not working at night. They're not working on weekends. They're, you know, just dreading weekdays and then weekend they just party so that they can forget their weekdays. And it's a cycle that happens all the time. Mm -hmm. You don't want to just live for the weekend. You want to maximize every single day. You shouldn't be going through life hating your job. You spend the majority of your life at the job and you're going to hate what you're spending the majority of your life at. That's not a happy life. Right. So if you do hate your job, if you want something better, that should motivate you to study. But you, you have to study. You have to put in the time becoming an expert. And the cool thing is that compounding is real. Mm -hmm. And you might not know much about whatever subject you want to learn about year one, year two. But again, if you put in consistent studying hours, maybe it's even five minutes a night. You know, some people are busy. But I think most people have like an hour at night or an hour on the weekends. You'll be surprised at what you can really learn over a few years. And then when you apply what you learned to your job or a new job, um, I think that you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I, I love what you're sharing just around carving out that intentional recurring time for learning. Um, I I love being a Renaissance woman and I plan to do that until I'm like in the grave. So on Tuesdays, I'm going to Buddhism 101 classes and they upsold me into a meditation certification. So now I'm in a 200 hour thing in 10 weeks and tens of hours in Buddhism. So I'm steeping in it. Maybe I went a little overboard, but point being, I have this bucket list in my life of things I want to achieve. And a lot of people sometimes talk about their bucket list, like it's this distant fantasy thing versus like a plan. So I just want to encourage all of you listening, uh, write down some things that are breadcrumbs for you that you would love to do. Like I want to go to culinary school in France at some point and I know I'll do it. Um, what are some of the things that you really want to do in your life? Um, and can you start setting aside that little bit of time that he's talking about to be a learner, to be an expander, because when you take in new thoughts, um, new information, you have new thoughts and it brings your mind new places and you come up with new plans for your life. It's so expansive. So, okay. Tim, I, I like have I something could... for you yeah. to add to your bucket list. Go to yeah. Mount Koya in Japan. One of my favorite mountains. Um, it's one of the most sacred mountains in Japan. It's all Buddhists. Uh, you basically uh, stay over with the monks. Oh, wow. You pray with them at five in the morning. It's all vegetarian. Um, and the whole mountain is filled with Buddhists it's, who are buried. I think there's like three or 400,000 Buddhists buried amongst these beautiful trees. Wow. It is mind blowing. And, wow. you know, for me, I grew up in a small town in Connecticut. I always wanted to see the world. So for me, travel has been a big thing. I'm now over a hundred countries. Um, I keep traveling because I just love it. I'm endlessly fascinated uh, to study wherever I'm, I have like pictures of me on my laptop. I say laptop lifestyle, wherever I go, mm -hmm. it's true. That's what I do. And, and even when you're successful, you can still create new goals. Um, if you look at studies, uh, if you have a big goal, 
it increases your daily performance 15 to 25% because you're doing what you need to, to get closer to your big goals, as opposed to somebody where it's like, no, that big goal is impossible. I don't want to, you know, shoot for that and be disappointed. So they try to do these small goals and that really holds them back in life. So I say dream big, work, study hard, have a bucket list, have visual inspiration, whatever you can do to push yourself. Every single person watching this has a much brighter future than they realize, but they're not willing necessarily, at least yet, to put in the time required to unlock their true potential. And that's sad. I know a lot of people with a lot of potential, but they don't have the work ethic. Um, they don't have the patience. And you know, if you expect money to just rain down overnight or all your wishes and dreams to come true without a lot of grinding and hustling, you're going to be, you know, sorely mistaken. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. I, in my Buddhism class, somebody was talking about how they always wanted to be the CEO of their company and they've been working their way up. And when they finally got there, they realized they were already already the CEO of the company and they just hadn't actualized it yet, like that they already had that in them. And so I just want to remind all of you that it's, it is really true. It sounds cheesy. Um, but I think when you are willing to grow and you're willing to put in the work and I remember when I started my business, I just thought to myself, like, I'm going to outwork everyone, which wasn't a healthy thing long-term, but it, it would definitely work short-term. Um, is there anything I haven't asked you about as it relates to success, success, wealth, charity that, um, would be helpful to let everybody know before we go anywhere. And, and then I want to ask you where we can keep learning from you beyond YouTube. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I really think that a lot of people need to understand that whatever industry you're in, whatever your goals are, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You can't have success right away and have it lasting because you wouldn't be prepared to keep it. You know, a lot of people made a lot of money in 2020, 2021. They didn't really study finance. They didn't know about market cycles. They didn't know about like interest rates rising. They applied their 2020, 2021 strategy in 2022. They're getting destroyed. Um, those of us who have seen the ups and the downs in the market, um, I was a little, probably a little too cautious in 2020 and 2021, but I'm still green in 2022. Um, and that's because, again, I have so much preparation. All of the preparation, all my early mistakes, all my early losses, I think about them. That million dollar loss, I think about it still. It's been nearly two decades. I still think about it. I never want to be put in that situation again. Um, so accept your losses, accept the frustrations, embrace the mistakes. They help you grow so that you can succeed eventually. And I know a lot of people want it overnight. You shouldn't want that. If you look at studies, lotto winners, uh, you know, young Hollywood stars, uh, athletes, where they get too much money too quickly, they usually lose it. They don't really know yeah. how to manage it. Um, they don't know how to hold on to it. And there's a saying, a fool and his money are soon parted. And that's the reality. It doesn't matter if you get lucky and you make a lot of money if you're unprepared on how to keep it and grow it. So wherever you are in the world, whatever industry you're in, you need to learn about financial management. You need to learn how to you know, save money, not overspend. Um, and that way you build up a nice nest egg over time. I might not be you know, a billionaire ever, but this is how I have savings for me to live well. And then I also have money to give to charity. I'm, I'm like uh, a ninja with my, my budgets and my expenses and my goals. Um, you know, you, you can treat money like a hobby and, you know, guess what? Hobbies cost money, right? Like, oh, uh, I, I want to become, you know, 
a sculptor. And so you, you pay for a sculpting class, but you don't really take it seriously. And your, your, you know, your sculptings aren't really that quality. That's a hobby versus a business. And you say, okay, I want to be a sculptor, but I want a franchise. And you come up with a whole business plan. Guess what? That can make money in the long run. So treat the stock market like a business. You want to look and see how can you actually make money over time. Treat charities like a business. Obviously, you're giving money away, but don't just give money to a charity because they seem nice or they might have a good cause. Like you got to dig deep, nail down to the nitty gritty. Go volunteer at the charity before you donate any money. Donate your time first, then get, you know, an understanding of the charity. See what they really need. A lot of the time, you know, I, I visit these charities. Um, I don't even know exactly how much I'm going to donate. I want to go in there. I want to talk to the owners. I want to see how I can help them. I usually ask them for like a price list of, you know, if you had anything you wanted with your dreams, like write it down. And they almost always go with like small donations. And I'm like, you got to think bigger, but they're used to people donating small. So they're afraid to ask big. Mm -hmm. I don't think you should be afraid to ask big. I don't think you should be afraid to dream big. Mm -hmm. um, you might not get there right away. You might not get your, your dreams turned into reality overnight. But again, the bigger you dream, the, the harder you work, um, the better your daily performance. And then you have compounding that grows over time. It's all connected. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it again and again. I have 30 millionaire students now. So I'm not just speaking from my personal experience. I see what it takes uh, for my students to become millionaires too. And it might not be an exact science, but there is a clear path. Mm -hmm. And you have to you know, try to follow that um, as best that you can. Mm, okay. So um, we're all going to go to the YouTube. Uh, we're going to pick up the book that you'd mentioned. Where else can people, you're talking about your students. Uh, so let's say somebody listening wants to become one of your students. They want to learn from you. Where's the best place to go? Yeah. If you just go to timothysykes.com, um, I have 3000 free blog posts, so you should read those. But then there's also uh, newsletters where, you know, I send daily watch lists. I have commentary. I make videos. I do live trading webinars um, and people can choose their, their dedication level, but it's all on timothysykes.com. Wow. I really admire your energy, Tim. Like I strive for that. I've got a whole- I'm fading. This is, this is the lowest energy that you will ever see me. Like when I, I'm going to shut this laptop, my bed is right here. I'm, I'm knocked go. out. So okay. it, this is, this is me just- Winding know, down. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, I just, I like sharing what I've learned over the past few years and decades now in this industry. Yeah. And you know, all of you, uh, I don't know if you remember, you've been listening to the show for a while. I used to do a post episode breakdown and I'm going to do that on this one and talk even more about giving and more about um, takeaways. So uh, stay tuned and thanks again for being here, Tim. No, thank you for having me. Good stuff. To me, meditation is about having more dominion over your thoughts and as a result, your life. And if we don't take a step back and we don't meditate or create some sort of practice, I think sometimes life can run you. And it's really nice to start getting back into the driving seat and putting these other thoughts in the passenger seat of our cars. And today I want to help you channel your wisdom and just get into the possibility of like what, what is available for you when you really tune into yourself. So um, when you're ready, if you could just get your wiggles out, take a little stretch whatever wiggles you have in your feet, your shoulders, your neck, just roll it around a bit and start to get comfortable where you're seated. 
Just adjust your posture, straighten your back, and get into half lotus, full lotus, or whatever is the most comfortable for you. And when you're ready, just take a deep breath in on your own pace and let it out. Slowly close your eyes or fix your gaze. Maybe have your eyes nine tenths shut if that's better for you. Whatever is the most comfortable. Just start to tune in to something really comforting to you, a place that is really beautiful to you. A place that you love to go or that you've been before. What does it feel like? What does it look like? What does it sound like? You feel like this golden light in the air and you're just breathing it in and breathing it out. And everything around you is feeling this beautiful energy. And when you're ready, you invite someone that you think has extraordinary wisdom, extraordinary beauty into your space. This could be someone that you've met or maybe someone you've never met. Just take your time and be there with them. Facing each other, maybe even holding hands. Just take a minute. be in this energy together. When you're ready, just tune into their heart. This beautiful diamond of a heart. Full of wisdom, full of depth, full of inspiration for you. As you tune into their heart, they ask you if there's anything weighing on your mind, weighing on your soul, anything that feels heavy on your heart. And when they ask you this, you start to tune in. What's been feeling heavy for me that I want to hand over to this wise teacher? What do I want to release right here and right now? For the highest good of all concerned. You feel this energy that you want to release pulsing through your feet, up your legs and into your hands. And it's like this ball of energy in your hands that you're about to release. Your teacher puts their hands over your hands, over this ball of energy. And you see these diamonds coming out of their hands surrounding this ball of energy that gets lighter and lighter 
and lighter. And just like that, it dissolves. And you sit with them, locked into their heart, so inspired by their magic, with so much reverence. You breathe together with so much peace. Your breath is like oceanic waves. You're just being together. You just hold hands and you breathe. And then they offer you some wisdom they tell you something that feels really helpful for you to know, they whisper it into your ear. And you tune in. And then as you breathe in and out, they become smaller, but you can feel them staying with you. They are you and you are them. As they get smaller, there's these diamonds all around you, like a gentle, gentle wind of diamonds. And they get smaller and smaller. And over your head, they start to seep into your crown. You feel so grateful. You take a moment to send that gratitude out into the world. Let it seep all through yourself too. And you just bathe in it. And when you're ready, you look around your beautiful place. You remember it in your heart with your wise guide, your friend, your teacher. You start to feel more aware of the room that you're in. Start to flutter your eyes open a little bit when you're ready. You feel the walls around us like a safe container. And you bring yourself back here into the room. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-Turns. We'll see you next week.